Well, whatever you're up to, onto, or into today, I am glad you are into the Jim Snyder Podcast. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening. But I'm glad you're here for podcast number 16. Thank you for joining me. I'm your lovable fuzzball of a host, Jim Snyder. We're going to talk about my story. Some of the things I've had to overcome in my life. Someone who has low vision, visual impairment, if you will. And from time to time, we'll bring other folks in and talk about their story. And... They'll share with you what they've done to get to where they're at in life. Well, coming up on today's podcast, we will have another construction update, another construction update, I can say that, another really bad pun, and we'll continue with my story as I return to Toledo from Wyoming. All that and so much more coming up, so why don't you just hang out with me for just a bit. The Jim Snyder Podcast. Show number 16, podcast 16, underway. Seems like just yesterday I got this thing going, doing that very first podcast and wondering, what am I doing? Am I going to be able to get one podcast, maybe two? But so far, we've done 15. Number 16 here is underway. Glad you're here for for this one. Well, before we get to the business at hand, I do have some housekeeping to take care of. want to let you know about where we're at with season one. Season one will be coming to an end very soon. Not soon, soon. Very soon it's coming to an end. The end of a season. Bong! (laughs) Well, I got a couple of more uh, shows, a couple more stories that I want to share with you, and then we'll wrap it up for the summer and I'll take a break. Because I think everybody needs a break. Maybe you need a break from me. The podcast you can't put down. I don't know. I don't know if it's to that point. If it if it is, we'll see if we can get you some help. But uh, we're gonna, I'm going to wrap this up here in a few weeks. I can't tell you exactly when for sure. But I will take a break for the summer. And I'll bring it back in September, season two. I'm in the process of getting that all together. I've got some guests lined up. A couple other little surprises. I think you will like it. I'm excited about it. And I have some guests that I think you will be excited about. So I hope you'll join me. And if you're not a regular subscriber, if you are not a subscriber, I don't know, what is a regular subscriber? There's a regular listener. If you're not a subscriber to the Jim Snyder Podcast, darn it, why aren't you? You should be. Get yourself subscribed. And you will not miss out on any upcoming podcasts. Because there is the possibility, and I'm not dropping any hints, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but I may decide to do a podcast over the summer, a special edition of the Jim Snyder Podcast. It could happen. And if it does, I don't want you to miss out on it. I don't want you to be that guy or that girl where your friends say, hey, did you hear Jim's new podcast? And you're saying, wait a minute, it's August. He's not back until September. Well, I don't want that to happen. So here's what you do so that you don't miss out. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Google Podcast, iHeartMedia, Radio.com, Spotify, the TuneIn app. And there are some other places I believe you can find the podcast. I think if you look hard enough, you might even find me on your toaster. 
right next to the golden brown setting on the toaster. It's not the well-done setting, I'll tell you that, because I don't like well-done toast. Yeah. Not not going to happen. Made the golden brown setting. A perfect companion for your jam, jelly, peanut butter, or Nutella. Butter, whatever it is you put on your toast. Unless you're Millhouse and like Vaseline on toast. <laughs> so make sure you, you get subscribed, okay? You're subscribed and you're all set. You'll never miss out, okay? That's that's what we need to do. All right, on to the podcast at hand. I do have a construction update for you. It is the end of another era. But I won't do the bong because it hasn't been that long. <laughs> well, poet and don't even know it. Well, this is the last construction update simply because the construction on our condo is complete. <laughs> yes, we're very excited about that. John, our renovator, was in here on Monday and wrapped everything up. He did a little bit of painting, a little bit of just kind of spot painting, you know, that kind of stuff. He had uh, separators put in between the flooring for our vinyl flooring and wood flooring. And something that we were really weren't planning on, he put some, I think they're called ball joints for our toilets. Because when you rip up a floor and put a new one in, you have to take the toilet out. The commode has to go, at least for a little while. And when he took them out, he said the the valves that you have are older and they're not really great for places with hard water. And if you're not familiar, Branford, where we live, it's hard water here. It's not coming out of the Great Lakes. You need to have a water softener. Otherwise, you're going to have lots of problems with your appliances and the water tastes kind of funny and all that stuff. So it's, I mean, it's not mineral water, like, you know, like what they'd say, like with, with lots of uh, sulfur in it. No, we don't have that. No, it's just very hard. It has a lot of lime and a lot of stuff in it. And it just, you need to get a softener. But anyway, the, the toilet water is not softened. If I understand correctly, the way the house is plumbed and all that. So we needed to get some new, valves for the toilet so that those won't ever seize up because that's one thing that happens if you're not familiar with hard water it will do major damage wreak havoc i should say with your with your plumbing and so forth so he put those new uh valves in also he was in, in our kitchen uh i don't know about a week or so ago maybe a little more than that and he was saying you know what there's an area over here by your closet and your pantry that's kind of dark. Can't see real well. And I said, well, can you put a light in there? And he says, I don't know. Let me see how accessible it is. If it is, it'll be easy to do. So he went and he checked and he says, yep, I can do it. Got a pot light, put it in, and it works like a charm. So we have a light by our pantry and coat closet. So I can get into the to the coat closet and I can see what's in there. I can look into the pantry and find everything I need. Don't have to go digging for the canned soup. What? You say canned soup at our house? From someone who is a pampered chef consultant and cooks? Canned soup? Well, you know what? You do use canned soup, honestly, for a couple of different reasons. You do canned soup for cooking occasionally and when you have a husband who isn't really good and can barely work a can opener 
So that's that's kind of how that all goes. But anyway, I can see into the pantry a little bit more clearly. And so that's all done. And the Carpet Brothers were here on Saturday. This past Saturday, we were honored by the presence of Don and Tom, or as I like to call them and John likes to call them, the Carpet Brothers, a couple of brothers who install carpet for a living. They are freelance guys. They work for a couple of different stores here in the area. And these are just funny, funny guys. They love what they do, and they just have a ball doing it. They basically come in, and they'll just chit-chat with each other and start ripping on each other and having fun and that sort of thing. And if you get into the conversation, you are fair game. They'll rip on you, and I found that out when they were here the first time. But I can talk smack, too, so I could you know, dish it right back at them, and it was a lot of fun. They were, they were just a lot of fun to work with. And John was here on Saturday, so they were merciless on him. They showed him no mercy. Because uh-uh. they know John. And that's how we got these guys, because John knows them. And these guys are so good, they're in demand. They actually have a two-month waiting list, but they were nice enough. They said, sure, we'll come in and put your bedroom carpet in for your master bedroom. I'm sorry, we can't call it the master bedroom anymore. That's not politically correct. Well, too bad. Well, they did our main bedroom, master bedroom, and our guest bedroom, put the new carpet in. They're in and out in a morning. And for them to come in and spend part of their Saturday doing that for us was greatly appreciated. I'm not sure what John put together as far as a deal with these guys. I don't know what he promised them. Blood. <laughs> But they did come, they did their thing, and they're really glad to be here. They they had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun. Sarah enjoyed hanging out with them too. And the the rooms are all done. It's all done. Everything's done. The studio here, we've got just a little more work to do, not so much from a construction standpoint, but I do need to get some some sound deading material up on the walls. We've got a little bit up on the walls right now, but there's a couple more pieces that John cut for us, and Sarah and I have to get them wrapped in some cloth-like material. It's not really cloth-like material. It's cloth. We got some some fabric because this is uh, stuff you don't, don't want to put up on the wall just bare. You don't want to have it up there naked. So we're going to wrap it in, in this uh, fabric that we found. We need to get a little bit more of that, and we'll place it up in the on the walls here some areas where it could use a little bit of help, and that's coming. Also, this morning, I uh, ordered some more things for the studio. I want my computer monitors in here to ha- to be on boom arms, and what I mean by that is just arms that are mounted to the desk so that I can pull them closer or up or down or right or left or angle them however I want, and I've, I've got one of those on order. I've also got another one on order for a tablet that I also picked up because I want to use a tablet as another source for audio when I'm doing the podcast or what have you. It's something that will come in handy. And rather than having it sit flat on the on the countertop here, it's going to mount on its own little, little arm as well. It's going to look almost like the bridge of the Enterprise in here when... When I get this done. And if I do end up getting an internet radio station, which I want to do, I will have more blinking equipment. I will have, and what I mean blinking, not as in, you know, like as in a, you know, 
uh, blinking this, blinking that. No, more equipment with blinking lights, probably another monitor, another computer, obviously. So this place is, if, if I get my way and I can get an internet radio station up and running here, this place is really going to look like the bridge of the enterprise. It's it's really going to look neat. It looks neat now. I'm very happy with this room. John did a great job. The furniture that's in here, it really is a, a neat place. And I enjoy spending time in here. I've spent a lot of time in here. And I'm looking forward to doing the podcast in here and hopefully some other projects. And perhaps, perhaps I'll have my own internet based radio station and i i say internet based is because it is a radio station you have am you have fm you have satellite and you have internet i really believe in treating these things with the respect that they deserve and i learned that from you know from a guy that started the blaze glenn beck when he launched his own television channel that he went out and he built professional facilities and it was run and still has run like any other television station whether it's on cable satellite or a local tv station it has all the bells and whistles well i'm not going to have the top-notch equipment obviously i don't have gazillions of dollars it's going to be tough for me to put the stuff together that i'm going to need that i want but it's a fraction of the cost. So if I can put the funds together or find some used equipment, that kind of thing, find a music library that I can afford, because <laughs> that's the whole thing. And, and, and you know, when, when you do stuff like this, you can do it a lot more inexpensively. I don't like to use the word cheap. When I put this podcast together, I really didn't need to have a Rodecaster Pro and the stuff that I have, the microphones that I have and, and some of the other stuff that I'm getting. I don't need that. I could just do this on my phone, upload it, and it would sound pretty good, be okay. But I want to do this right because that's the kind of person I am. I'm a broadcaster. I have standards. There's a way to do things. And those who choose to use you know, smaller equipment, lesser amounts of equipment, that kind of thing, nothing against that. That's okay. That's the neat thing about when you do a podcast an internet radio station, however you choose to do it. It's yours. You can run it however you want. And I'm going to do mine a certain way, and I believe in doing it the right way, and if I can't do it the right way, I'm not going to do it. That's just me. My dad always said, if you're going to do it right, do it right the first time. And that's what I'm hoping to do. So hopefully I will be able to do this, that I'll be able to have an internet radio station. But anyway, I'm, I'm happy with the room Maybe we'll have some more stuff in here, more bells and whistles to drive my wife crazy. Actually, she's been really good through this whole thing. When I've said, you know, I would like to do this, or maybe I'm thinking about doing that, she hasn't kind of given me the stink eye or anything like that. She's like, okay, because she trusts me. She knows that I'm not going to go absolutely just stark raving bananas when it comes to equipment. But I do want to do this. So hopefully we'll, that will that's a dream that will come true. This studio was a dream. This time last year, it was a dream. I didn't even think by this time I would have my own place to work like this. And look what happened. So who knows where I'm going to be next year. We'll see. You, you never know what the future holds. And 
I do believe God answers prayer. If it's meant to be, if it's in his plan, if it's part of his plan for myself, and it all comes together, then perhaps I will have my own internet station. I'm I'm hoping to. If I have my way, I will. So we'll, we will see. We'll see what happens with that. All right, let's get back to my story. And I want to backpedal just a little bit. Back to when I was in Wyoming in Laramie. When we left off last week, I was getting ready to come back to Ohio. I had left the radio station. But there was a couple of stories that I neglected to tell that I do want to share, and I think they're good stories. When you live out in the Rocky Mountains, you have to deal with weather that changes literally at the drop of the hat. It can change on a dime. And that happened a couple of times. Well, one time I remember... I was working on the air. I probably had been at the station for a couple of weeks. And it was a Friday afternoon, and we're in the middle of a big snowstorm in Laramie. It's coming down at the rate of two inches an hour. I mean, it really is coming down into the folks who have lived out there forever. No big deal. They're used to it. So it was still kind of a novelty for me. It didn't really bother me. It was like, wow, it's really snowing. And I'm just going about my business doing my show. In Laramie. Well, meanwhile, down in the valley where Cheyenne is located, because they're down, oh, I don't know how many feet uh, down closer to sea level they are than Laramie. I'm not going to throw out numbers because I don't want to be wrong here. But uh, I, I will say this I do believe that Laramie is higher up above sea level than, say, Denver. And everybody talks about Denver being the mile high city. So I do believe that Laramie is a little bit higher up than Denver. But Cheyenne is, of course, she, uh, Cheyenne is a little bit lower, closer to sea level than Denver. Well, that afternoon, it's raining in Cheyenne. And not only is it raining, they've got a thunderstorm going on. And wait for it, a funnel cloud forms. So the National Weather Service issues a tornado warning for Cheyenne County. Well, Cheyenne is part of our coverage area for KMix 105.5. was a Hot AC, as we call it, uh, basically a top 40 station without any real hard rock or any rap. So I'm playing the Carnigans and, oh, who else? Wallflowers and who else was hot at the time? No Doubt. And um, you know, all, those, all those tunes. And I'm watching it snow to beat the band out my window and reading a tornado warning. And I just thought, man, what have I got myself into? This is bizarro world. I never, ever thought in my wildest dreams during my career I would be talking about tornadoes in the middle of a snowstorm. And it was it was really kind of surreal, surreal as far as what happened there. The other time, when you talk about weather changing, is there was a day I was going into work at the radio station. It was probably... 11.30 in the morning, I leave for work like I normally do, and it was a nice day. It was in the low 60s, and we knew that the weather was going to change. Everybody was up on it. I knew it was coming. So I'm walking to work, carrying my bag, and I've got a winter coat in my hand. It's too warm for a coat, but I knew I was going to need it later in the day. So I get to the radio station, and about 12.30 or so, 1 o'clock, some of us go to lunch, and we go across the street to the local hangout that we all went to and watched 
the storm come in and the temperature dropped about 30 degrees in one hour. And then, of course, it started to snow. And by the time I went home that night, it was 20 degrees above zero Fahrenheit, by the way, for those of you in Canada. And we had three inches of snow on the ground. So what a change in just several hours. And that's just kind of how it was out there and how it still is. Those of you who live in the Rockies, you know what I'm talking about. You can have a 70-degree day one day, and the next day you're shoveling maybe a foot of snow. That's just how it goes. Well, anyway, I jump forward to when I'm getting ready to come back to Ohio. I had been through you know, been through the ringer, and I had left the station. I talked to the folks at the other station that called me and wanted me to come in and talk to them said they had a job that they wanted to talk to me about, but honestly, I think the only reason they brought me in was they wanted they wanted to find out if I you know was going to tell them all the all the dirt on what was happening with KMix. I really believe they were just fishing, and that's with a pH. So I didn't take the job. Obviously, well, I told you the whole story. You know that it was. I think they were just you know fishing, and they didn't want to give me an answer because they just they got what they thought they were going to get. And I didn't tell them anything. I knew they were just fishing. So I was very vague in my answers. They'd ask me about this. So what's this going on? What's that going on? I wasn't going to tell them anything. I wasn't going to give them the satisfaction because I knew that's what they were doing. And, and they took me to lunch. So, hey, I'll get a free meal out of it. I get to hang out for a little bit. I'm not doing anything because at that point I had left the station. I had no commitment to anybody. So, yeah, I'll go down to Cheyenne. I'll spend the afternoon, have some lunch, talk some shop, hang out with the program director, you know, see what the general manager's up to there and kind of get a feel for what they're doing because I'm asking questions too. And, well, as it turned out, I ended up coming back to Ohio. My dad came about the first part of June. I had the truck loaded up. My friends from church helped me load that thing up, and my dad and I drove back to Ohio. And I had called a friend of mine, former colleague. Well, yeah, it would have been a former colleague because I had worked with him before, Bob Kelly. Those of you in Toledo know who Bob is. Bob is a legendary morning man in Toledo. You think of somebody in a market or a city where you live who's been on the air forever. He, You grew up listening to him. He has never left. He's always been there, and he's still there. And by the way, Bob is, I think he's turning 80 here in a few days. And he is still on the air. The last I heard at WRQN, he is retired, but he's doing Saturday mornings. Still on the air. Heard him a few years ago when I was in town. Gave him a call, and he sounds sounded just like his old self. Hadn't missed a beat. We chatted for a few minutes on the phone. Great guy. Well, I had called Bob and I said, "Hey, looks like I'm, you know, I'm out of work. Uh, can you help me out?" And he said, "Yep. Call Bill Shannon back. He's the program director. I told him about you. He wants to talk to you." So I did. I called Bill and and he says, "Yeah, yeah, I heard about you. Send me your package." And so I sent my package, my resume, and demo tape, and all that to Bill and. Not long after that, he calls me back and says, would you like to come in for an interview? You know, obviously, yes. So I remember going into WRQN, an oldie station, and I had never done oldies at that point. So this was going to be a new 
format for me. And at that time, they were playing music from the 50s, 60s, and early, maybe mid-70s at that point. So a lot of music that was older than me and before my time, but I had heard some of it. A lot of it was burned into the culture, so you, you knew some of it. I knew some of it. And those of you who are older grew up with it. I did not. I was too little or not here yet for that. So this was going to be something new for me, but I was up for the challenge. So I remember going in to talk to Bill on July the 1st, 1997. And I walk in and I sit down and he says, well, you know, we got a new owner. 62nd Street has just closed on the radio station. So we have a new owner. Things are kind of in flux right now. So I'm not exactly sure all what the future has to hold. But here's what I can do for you. And he told me what he had envisioned for me at the time. And so we talked and I talked a little bit about myself and where I'd been and what I had just gone through in Wyoming. He was curious to find out what happened. And and I said, I have to be honest with you, Bill. I'm thinking about going to school to become a travel agent because I've just been through the ringer. I've just had the crap kicked out of me in Wyoming and and... I was a little disappointed in how things turned out at the river. And I just wanted to want to take care of myself. I've, I've got to eat. I've got to be able to pay bills. I need to be able to keep the lights on. And he understood. And he says, well, it's a shame what happened to you. It really is. And it was very unfair what happened to you. And it's not right. And I don't want you to quit. And I'm not going to let you quit. And I thought, okay. That's the first time anybody really put it to me quite like that. But he says, well, I'll do what I can for you. I can't make any promises, but I'll do what I can. And I thought, all right, if I decide that I am going to indeed learn how to become a travel agent, I can do some work for Bill, keep my hands in the business, and we'll see where things go. And I began to find out real quickly that Bill was was – you know, he, he was serious about, you know, what he said. And I was fortunate enough that I was able to prove myself as a kind of a value commodity to him early on in my stay at WRQN. And this was a neat place to work, by the way, because I went in there on on July the 1st. I should tell you the story. Going on July the 1st, interview with Bill, we're taking the 50-cent tour around the building, and I'm running into all kinds of people that I knew from other places because everybody knows everybody. And this was a wonderful place to work. At the time, WRQN had a really great staff of people. Kelly and Staples in the morning. Bob Kelly, Dennis Staples, a couple of great guys. I worked with them at WXKR from 91 to 93, so I was familiar with them. Ron Sobzak, who had been in the market for many, many years, a great guy, got to know him, got to be good friends with him, still am to this day. Sober, if you're listening, hello, buddy. All those Wendy's remotes we did together. <laughs> had a great time. Bill Shannon did afternoons. Cliff Smithers, who became a very, very good friend of mine. Fellow brother in Christ, a good friend, my best man at my wedding. He did nights. Bruce Wilde was doing overnights. Buddy Carr was working weekends, and if that name sounds familiar, he was the guy who owned the radio station that I almost went to work for. He had since sold his station, 
and was working weekends at RQN. There was uh, Jim, Dr. Gold Bear was working there, Kevin Timpey. We had John McKnight, I believe, was still there at the time. John was a radio veteran in Toledo. John has since passed on. Was sorry to see him go. I really liked working with John. John was a great guy. And I almost did some work with him at the American Cancer Society. And that, that never came to pass. And John passed away several years ago. Was really sorry to hear about that. But uh, it was a great group of people. K100 was in the building. Legendary program director Gary Shores. His partner, Harvey J. Steele, they did a show together for years. Harvey has since passed on. And and that's, that's a, a, his story. Someday I may have to just tell his story. What he went through was someone who went through a liver transplant and wasn't supposed to make it and lived another 20, 30 years, almost 30 years. Just amazing, amazing guy. And all the talented people in that building Bill Manders, the late country Dan Dixon, Craig Snyder. I'm trying to think if I left anybody out. If I did, forgive me. Charlie Sell, who I went to school with. He was an engineer. And just uh, all the salespeople. It was a neat place to work. I really enjoyed it there. And it was kind of neat walking around, running into a lot of those people who knew me and said, hey, you know, you're going to work here? That's cool. That's great. So I was excited about going to RQN and being a part of that group. Well, I leave the building, and I'm thinking, okay, we'll see what happens when Bill's going to bring me in, and, and I'll actually start working for him. Well, three days later, a couple days later, actually, on July the 3rd, it was announced. I'm out with my friend DC Bash, who we had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Dave and I are hanging out together, and we're gonna. I was going to hang out with him and his family over the 4th of July holiday. Going to go down to his place and hang out, you know, stay the night and then spend the rest of the day on the 4th just barbecuing and having a good time and having a time that can't be beat. Well, I remember the afternoon of the 3rd, my phone starts to just blow up at this point. And I had a cell phone. I had one of those. Remember the bag phones, the cell phones that was in a bag? Well, I had one of those at the time. And my cell phone just starts ringing off the wall or off the bag because <laughs> it wasn't hooked to the wall. But my phone starts blowing up. People are calling me. Hey, did you hear the news? And I'm like, what? What news? Cumulus is buying up a bunch of radio stations. Well, and I'm like, what is Cumulus? Well, Cumulus was started by a couple of fellows by the name of Lou Dickey Jr. and John Dickey and some other investors. Well, the Dickey brothers, they're the sons of Lou Dickey Sr. who owned a couple of radio stations 1470 and 3WM, who I worked for. That was my first commercial radio job. Well, their boys, who at the time owned Stratford Research, had been busy and making a name for themselves and started their own broadcasting company. And with the rule changes, they were able to start buying up radio stations. Well, they bought up a bunch of radio stations in town, including K100 and WRQN, and there was another one called The Zone that they bought all part of the building, and at the time, uh, they they bought the AM station that was in that building, uh, WTOD at 1560. They bought that, so they had acquired a bunch of radio stations, including WXKR, which was still up to that point owned by Venice and Don Michaels. And so it was announced that they're buying WRQN. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a quick ownership change. 
Well, apparently at the meeting that morning when they announced all this, after the meeting, after the 62nd Street executives and the Cumulus executives, I believe the Dickies were in to make that announcement to everybody, had the big, you know, it's going to be great, we're glad to be here, blah, 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 blah. Well, Dennis Staples, Kelly Staple, or Kelly, uh, Bob Kelly's morning show partner, walks up to one of the 62nd Street execs, and Dennis told me the story. And I had a couple other people confirm this, but Dennis walked up to one of the 60 uh, 62nd Street executives and says, I just want you to know that working for you guys has been the best three days of my career. And nobody else in their right mind would have done something like that. But Dennis did, and Dennis could get away with it. Dennis, you have to understand, he has since passed on. He was such a great guy, talented individual. But Dennis, a little outspoken, but had the kind of demeanor. He could tell you what he thought and could get away with it, whether you liked it or not. Now, he wasn't a jerk about it, but he was just a matter-of-fact, straightforward shooter and had a great sense of humor, a very dry sense of humor. And to go up and say that to one of the 62nd Street executives and get away with it, I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. And he did that at other times. When I was working with him and Bob Kelly at the old WXKR the first time in 19... 91 to 93, when I worked with them, we had a general manager at the time who had this habit of putting out memos, and he would put them out all the time. This, that, and the other thing. Some of them were good, some of them were not so good. He even put out a memo that said, gentlemen, don't pee on the men's room floor. He did. It said something to the fact, don't pee on the men's room floor. And he put it up in the men's room, And Dennis saw it, took it down off the wall. After washing his hands, walked out of the men's room into the general manager's office, put it on his desk and said, what's the matter? Have we run out of things to do today? And pointing at the memo. And again, only Dennis could get away with this. (laughs) My two favorite Dennis Staple stories. And those guys, Bob and Dennis, just a class act all the way. It was, it was, I, it was fun working with Bob. I grew up listening to him. So to be able to work side one of your heroes growing up, I mean, he wasn't my idol, but I remember listening to him and always thought he was fun and enjoyed listening to him. And then to get to work alongside him and for him to even pay me a compliment by saying, you sound good, kid. You know, you're, you're doing a great job. And that I, I could call him at the station. He'd take the phone call and say, hey, Jimmy, how you doing, buddy? And was more than happy to help me out and got me in touch with Bill. And at that time, little did I know that what was going to happen with me and Bill. And I was fortunate that I proved my worth to Bill pretty early in my WRQN uh, stay. I had just started working at the station. It was a few weeks after I got hired and, and the ownership change and all that. And part of my job was I was the swing guy, which means anytime they needed somebody to fill in, whether it was the morning show, the afternoon show, the nighttime show, the overnight show, or if you had to go in and run syndication. Well, in those days, we didn't have, you know, the fancy computers that we have now that does this stuff automatically. So we were running syndicated programming certain hours on the weekend. Well, on Sunday nights, we ran Dick Bartley's American Gold. 
And Dick has, you know, been a radio guy for many, many years and had a syndicated show at this point. And we were running his show on Sunday nights. Well, that Sunday night, I'm in there. It's literally my second shift ever on the radio station. I think I had done a Saturday shift the day before, and that night I was in doing, no, it was, I don't know, it was like I'd done a couple of shifts. But anyway, I'm, I'm in on Sunday night, I'm running the show, and we started to have weather come in from lower Michigan. Some thunderstorms dropped down out of lower Michigan, some pretty big ones. As a matter of fact, Bill called me on the hotline and said, hey, I'm driving up from south of town here, and I can see the lightning. What's going on? And I was you know, in the loop as far as what was going on because working for the primary emergency broadcast system station or now the emergency alert system stations for the area back when I worked for WSPD and the river and before soft rock 101, you know, I'd learned how all that stuff works and how to do severe weather and how important it was and so on and so forth. So yeah, I, I told him, I said, yeah, we've got warnings up in lower Michigan, nothing here yet. I'll keep you posted. You know, I'm, I'm on top of it. And he's like, all right, thanks. Well, not too long after that, National Weather Service issues a tornado warning for Lucas County, the county that Toledo is in. And it was kind of surreal because the one thing that I should mention about WRQN and K100 and the stations that were in the building, there was K100, WRQN, and Mix 95.7, and the AM station, WTOD, was simulcasting with K100, so they were kind of, you know, they, it was just another signal, but... Uh, it was a Sunday night. I never, I'll never forget this. It was pretty much after sunset, or right after sunset, and the tornado warning is issued. And we start, you know, we get the information. And as I'm going on the air to talk about the storms and what's going on with the tornado warning, the tornado sirens go off, and you have to understand that. The radio station was located right next to a major hospital in the area, and because the hospital was there, so were the air raid sirens, the civil defense sirens, or if you prefer, the tornado sirens. So they're literally right outside our window, and they're going off, and I'm on the air, and if you've ever heard a tornado siren, you know what it sounds like. It's kind of eerie. And I'm on the air giving this stuff out, you know, the information, and I can hear the tornado sirens in my headphones. And I'm sure the listeners can hear the tornado sirens coming out through their radio and, of course, where they're at. So it had to be a little a little scary. But you just go and you work through it because you don't have time to kind of think about it. You're, you're relaying information. You stay focused, you get the stuff out over the air. And I wasn't in any danger. We weren't in any danger because the the storm, the, the funnel cloud, was indicated by Doppler radar, and it was up in the storm. It wasn't an actual tornado. Funnel cloud and tornado are two different things. A funnel cloud is where you have rotation up in the storm. It only officially becomes a tornado when it actually touches down, when it hits ground. Well, there wasn't a touchdown, but there was rotation in this storm, and it was in the northwest part of the metro area. So it wasn't exactly near where we were, 
but it was something you had to be aware of and it was something that you couldn't just ignore. So that's why the, the weather office issued the tornado warning. So I'm going on and I'm talking about this stuff and going on and interrupting programming and getting the, getting the information out as it became released and so forth. And at the end of it all, after it was all over and done with, I had a chance to talk to Bill, and Bill was like, hey, great job. Thanks for getting that all on the air. I said, no problem. Well, when you work for the primary EAS stations in the area, you learn how to do severe weather. So that was a good experience for me. It was a good experience for Bill because he knew that he had someone in me that I he could trust with stuff like that, and he realized that I was definitely going to be a valuable part of the staff, and as time went on, gave me a few more things to do and sharing the wealth with me. And I remember one afternoon when I'm in the building with Bill, I come into the station, I don't know if it was to pick up a paycheck or to, you know, whatever it was, but I walked by his office and he says, hey, can you come in here for a minute? And I'm thinking, okay, when the boss calls in the office, something's up. So he calls me to the office and he says, I'm working on this project here. Like your opinion. And I'm like, you, you want my opinion? He says, yeah, I want your opinion. I'm like, well, no one's ever asked me my opinion before on this. And he says, well, it's about time they did. You you know what you're doing. And it w- it really meant a lot to me that he had enough faith in me that he wanted my opinion. And no one had really ever done that to me before. So I realized that here was a guy that was going to share the wealth. So I made a point to start listening to him. And we developed a great friendship from that point on. We hung out together. I'd go to his house for dinner. I'd just hang out with him. We would just, you know, just hang out, you know, anywhere, you know, different times we'd go have lunch or whatever. So we got to be pretty good friends. And the promotions that we did, some great promotions. One of them that I remember that we did, that he and the program director, Gary Shores, put together in a really short period of time, we did a thing called the Hands-On Marathon. And this is where, in a nutshell, what you have is a, you have a, we had a classic car, and I believe it was a 1968 Candy Apple Red GTO that we were given away. And with the, the way, the way it was, we got our qualifiers and we went out to a car dealership that had the car, this classic car, beautifully restored, Candy Apple Red. It was a beautiful machine. And what you had to do was you had to stand there with your hand on the car and you couldn't lift your hand off the car. And the last person standing with their hand on the car wins the wins the car. And it went on for a few days. I want to believe it, I, I believe it was 60, 67, 68 hours, hours went. And the the guy, his name was Carl who won the car. I remember his last name, but I'm not going to say. I just want to be respectful of privacy. But Carl won the car, and he was so tired, he could hardly talk. He was just absolutely exhausted. And we would give them like a 15-minute break every hour or something like that. But you had to stand there with your hand on the car, and we had judges you know, watching everybody. And if you lifted your hand off the car, you, you lost. And I remember with K100 with their, they had a hands-on marathon going on as well. They gave away a Volkswagen bug and it came down to two people. And it was, I was, I remember it, theirs went a little bit longer than ours did that time. 
And I remember being out at the dealership where they were, and there was two people. It was a guy and a girl. And the girl just was absolutely exhausted after, I don't know, it was like 80-some-odd hours. And she just started to drift off, and we just saw her hand gently, ever so slightly lift off the car, and we had to disqualify her. And she was heartbroken. But, wow, what it was! But it, what a fun contest. And you can't do these anymore for insurance reasons. It's, it's a shame as far as what's happened in that regard. But that was still when you could do contests like that and have a lot of fun. But Bill and I had a lot of fun doing this contest. He did all the legwork as far as putting it together, and then I got to help him out when it came to executing this thing and you know, put, putting it on the air, being out doing reports, back at the station, doing a show, that kind of thing. It was an exciting time to be a part of the radio station. And Bill made sure that I was a part of it, treating me like anybody else on the staff, and I really, really appreciated it. We had a great friendship, and it lasted for about, oh, just about two years. And in December of 1998, Bill moved on to Charleston, South Carolina, got a job offer and took it, and we were all sorry to see him go. It was kind of a tearful goodbye when he left because it was New Year's Eve 1998 and did his last show, and he had made so many good friends with the, with the community and with the people. It was kind of like he had been there for, you know, 20 years. You know, when the guy retires and doesn't know what to say at the end. And and that's kind of what it was with Bill. And Cliff Smithers and I were in the studio with him when he did his last show, and that was that. We thought that was that. Well, it wasn't quite over yet because the next day we had a snowstorm to beat all snowstorms. And... One of the guys that comes in on Saturday nights couldn't get in. So I had to do a big board hopping shift where we were running another syndicated show off satellite. Super gold with Mike Harvey. So I had to sit there and push buttons until the show was over. We ran it till like 2 in the morning. And then 2 until 4, I actually went on and did a live show after being on the board for several hours. And at that point, Jim Bear showed up and took over for me. And our general manager was able to get us some rooms at the hotel next door. So I went over to the hotel, got a couple of hours of sleep, went back on the air at noon. And Bill came back at 4 o'clock. Because my shift normally goes from noon until 6 on Sundays. And Bill said, you're toast. I can't have you going on for you know six hours. The new program director doesn't start until Monday. He says, I'm going to come in and relieve you. And at that point, schools were supposed to start back up from the holiday break on Monday. And it was cold and it was nasty and schools started to close. And he says, the schools are going to close. Those closings are going to start coming in. You need some help. So he came in and popped back on the air for three hours. So it was an encore presentation for Mr. Bill. And that's just the kind of guy he was, that he was w willing to, to, to make the effort to, to do that kind of stuff. And I really appreciated him helping me out with that. And Bill and I stayed in touch after he left. I stayed at RQN, was doing what I always did and working for the new program director, Ron Finn. He and I had been friends for a long time, so it wasn't really that hard to get used to him and him get used to me because we knew each other. 
through being in the in the in the same market together and that. But I stayed in touch with Bill, and it was it was kind of neat to hear his stories about what was going on in Charleston. I even got a chance to go down and visit Bill in the spring of two thousand. Went down for a week, hung out with him and his wife and daughter, and stayed at their place. And he showed me around the area, and I got to meet the staff at his station, and they seemed like really nice people. And came back to Ohio and thought, wow, Bill's got a pretty neat thing going on. That's really cool. Well, long about May, I get a phone call from Bill. And I will tell you about that when we next get together. Well, I have to be honest with you about this one. Did you know that jokes about German sausage are the worst? Yes, jokes about German sausage are the worst. W-U-R-S-T. Well, if you have a pun you'd like to share with me, I'd love to hear from you. The Jim Snyder Podcast at gmail.com. The Jim Snyder Podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your puns, your suggestions for upcoming podcasts, questions, comments, guest ideas, thoughts about my internet radio station, that kind of thing, whatever. So that's that's how you can get in touch with me. And make sure you subscribe to the Jim Snyder Podcast so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. Because you never know, I may decide to do one over the summer. We still have a couple of more podcasts to get to before we get to the end of season one. So stick around for those. You won't want to miss, especially the next the next episode. It'll be a good one. They all are. Well, until next time, this is Jim Snyder reminding you, it's not what happens to you in life that's important. It's how you respond that really counts. The Jim Snyder Podcast.